You're listening to the Gibby Five Podcast, episode number 52. That's like the DC thing. DC Comics, everything's all about 52. And us. Mostly about us. I was actually expecting you guys to call me a nerd. Nerd. Thank you. I call nerd. you that every day. I know, that's what I was expecting. It's, it's not as much fun when you like it. That's what she said. No. <laughs> Gibby Five Podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining subjects. We discuss pop culture, entertainment, and a little bit of nostalgia. This week, we were all left to our own devices, and mm-hmm. as a result, we'll be talking about just a massive variety of subjects. Uh, there's going to be some music talk where Jimmy talks about some albums, talk about yeah. a live show that I went to up in Boston, and Rob saw every single movie that was released this summer. <laughs> Well, not everyone. I think I missed one, but yeah. Oh, I also saw just an insane exploitation revenge film from 1981, which in some ways did a better job of showing what New York was like than most other movies I've seen. In fact, I would possibly go as far as to say as all other movies I've seen. What? Was it just called Insane Exploitation? We'll, We'll get to that. Okay. Uh, so as I said, there's going to be a lot of little things to cover this week. Mm-hmm. So we're going to probably, probably buzz through some of them. Yep. Usually, of course, we will do our top five list, which in the past has been things like top five fictional serial killers last week. Uh, just various things like that. But I believe that we have some reconciliation. To- we do. Because earlier this summer, we decided to try to make guesses as to which movies would be popular this summer or which movies would fail this summer. And who would be the standout people of the summer? And the summer is over. Yep. I went back and I looked at our lists, and I believe one of us, or possibly two of us, I think it was two of us, are going to have to sing an ABBA song. Oh no! At some I, think point. It, I think it was just one. I think it was who. Well, all right. Well, well, let's lay it all out there. Let's do. It might actually be one based on my numbers here. Okay. Well, I trust your judgment, and this is going to be a surprise to me. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Yeah. So anyway, I'm Greg. That person that you just heard talking is Jimmy. Hello. And the other person you heard talking is Rob, who just stabbed a guy. He did. I done stabbed I, a guy. I may have and had to do an incident report on it. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. Blood everywhere. Mm. Stabbed a guy in Orlando just to watch him die. But I'm used to the sight of blood. Johnny Cash. It is. Well, I just made the country reference, Rob. Look at that. You did. So anyway, this week, guys... We are going to be talking about Pearl Jam live at Fenway Park, two shows that they played up there. We're going to be talking about the album Book of Bad Decisions by Clutch. Mm-hmm. Another album, Love to Death by Dance with the Dead. Mm-hmm. We're going to do Rob's insane movie breakdown. Or just three. <laughs> or three. He closed out the summer. And I'm also going to talk about Ms. 45, the insane exploitation film that I just spoke about. Sounds great. So this is your spoiler warning, guys. Um, I, I guess if you, you haven't caught up on all the, um, you know, summer films, uh, you know, there will be some spoilers here. Uh, we'll try to avoid any major twists. So if you didn't know that Rob hates America, 
or that Sometimes. Greg Boo. really, Boo. Mm, or that Greg really, 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 really likes Pearl Jam, then you might want to pause the show and come back later. Like, like he wants to have their babies. I, I had to warn the people around me, like every seat around me. I was like, "You're, you're gonna have to be careful." <laughs> uh, if he yeah. comes over here, don't touch him because he's mine. That's what he said to the people around him. If, yeah, if okay. he came, if he came over there, he had a long way to walk because I had really terrible seats both times. <laughs> but if you'd like to contact us and talk about your love of Pearl Jam with Greg, or if you'd like to talk about anything with us, you can find us on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Five podcast. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at Give Me Five Pod, and you can email us Give Me Five Podcast at gmail dot com. And remember, with all of those, as always, the five is spelled out F I V E, not the number five. And as always, guys, leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you're using. It really helps us stand out. And there's a store. We've got yes, stuff. There is. Very cool stuff. All kinds of stuff. Yeah, stuff with, with things that say stuff on them. And what uh, what shirt things. did you get there, Rob? I got, I got a Give Me Five podcast shirt. I got a blue one. Ooh. And we're going to wear our Give Me Five podcast shirts to the upcoming event this week. Um. Uh, uh, Assuming I can get mine in time, I don't know how long it takes to get here. Throwback sure. Thursdays at Tijuana Flats. No, no, no. It's one of those um, pageants with like the weird Southern little girls, and it's and it's being oh. hosted by Honey Boo Boo. Yeah, I don't, I'm not. I'm I'm not associating with you guys in public ever again. <laughs> Probably for the best. We like to uh, we like to pick up the moms of the kids that lose. You go, Bobby Ann. Well, their their standards are a little lower. Oh my God. Wow. I think I may have offended myself. That's a first. It's seven minutes and six seconds. Rob has offended himself. Oh, wow. and it's on the next page. Apparently there's an Amazon link on our page also. Yes, it's on the on our Libsyn page or on our actual podcast page. And of course, if you use that Amazon link, it does not cost you any extra. Absolutely but a little not. bit of that money goes to us. And I thank you guys. I've seen a couple people do it. And that's awesome. We, we really appreciate it, guys. Yes. <clears throat> so, uh, anything new? Yeah. Um, something pretty big, actually. Our most recent episode was released um, this past Sunday, actually, due to somebody going up and seeing Pearl Jam twice in the same trip. Um, oh, editing didn't get done quite as fast as usual, but that may have turned out to be a better thing. As both myself and Greg, I'm sure you did too, Rob, uh, woke up, what day was it, Greg? Uh, Monday? Yeah, woke Monday. up Monday. Yep. Woke up Monday morning at around, I don't know, I saw it at around 8 o'clock. The episode was posted at, at just before midnight. Mm -hmm. And what happens when we post an episode is that it automatically tweets out, hey, I posted episode number 51, you know, take me back to the summer of 84. Well, in that time, the co-writer on summer of 84 i'm very sure listen to the episode he tweeted out his name's matt leslie mm -hmm. he tweeted out uh and i quote some people just effing get it if you want to hear a solid discussion about at summer of 84 movie check out the guys on the at give me five pod huge compliment huge compliment for us uh he posted like the three fist bump things afterwards nice and we got the triple fist bump. Yeah. Boom. Uh, or, he, or he wants to punch all three of us. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> or, or he used both hands and something else. No, they were, they were. Wow. They were definitely fists. Yeah. They were definitely. 
five fingers there. But we wanted to. I don't think to, that was better, uh, Jimmy. I really don't think that was better. I'm just moving on, man. Gonna... I'm 100% convinced that there was some sort of uh, gas leak in the hospital and it made Rob loopy. Rob's a little bit loopy tonight. Um, we are just floored. I, I was, I had stars in my eyes the rest of the day. Uh, Matt, Leslie, if you're out there, if you're listening to this episode, thank you so much. Thank you for writing such an amazing film that all three of us loved. We are happy to share, you know, our experience with, with everyone. We want everybody to see the damn movie because it was amazing. And, uh, if you want to interact or follow, uh, he is at Matthew G. Leslie, L-E-S-L-I-E, on Twitter. So huge, huge compliment. Thank you so much. And it's it's so gratifying knowing that, that someone that we're a fan of what they do, and, and we like to talk about it, actually took the time to check out what we do and enjoyed mm-hmm. ours as well. And that, it's, it's massive. Oh. It's such a cool thing. I think all of us, we've bantered about this before, that... We didn't start the podcast to interview people like Tom Cruise or any major, major stars. We kind of like the people behind the stuff that we love, which is why we've talked to the guy from G.I. Joe. We talked to to the writer, and I'm drawing blanks now because it's late. Wow, Kurt Bazigian. Bazigian uh, and uh, Richard, Richard Anak. Richard Anak. And Timmy Capello. Yeah, and we've talked to those guys. Joe Ballerini. People, Joe yeah, Ballerini. Joe Ballerini. Cannot forget that, man. And we got to definitely uh, get him back on. Mm-hmm. I'll effort. I believe that's the term. I'm efforting. You should effort to let me borrow that. Well, I should just go out and buy it. Never mind. <laughs> All support. Anyway, uh, I've got one other. Th- I've got one thing here, and then maybe Rob has stuff. Uh, Rob, have you got the new Spider-Man game yet? I have not. I I I just hadn't had a chance yet this weekend. My brother was in town, so it, it came out Friday. Yeah. Uh, when you get it, when you play it, and you beat it. Let me borrow your PS4 and the game. Um, <laughs> after that right on well the game has taken over the internet if you go on to any sort of gaming website or as i my gaming knowledge comes from uh, the reddit video game section and every single picture is like a meme about the game or a there's a snapshot mode where you can take really pretty pictures and the game looks beautiful well in the game there is what has been declared the saddest easter egg ever and so apparently back in may of 2018 a guy named tyler schultz he sent a tweet to the makers of the game saying, I really want to propose to my girlfriend in a special way. He had thought about doing it at a convention, but he decided to see if they could sneak it in the game. So they snuck it in the game, almost in the middle of the map as a as a marquee that said, Maddie, will you marry me? So it comes out, you know, that was in May. Game comes out last Friday, as Rob said. And turns out that his girlfriend broke up with him a few weeks ago, right before the game came out. Oops. And... There's a few things. Not only did he break up with them, she broke up with them and then dated his brother. Oh my god. Now I'm I'm an only child, and I think Rob would be would freak out about that. I, I don't wow. you, Yeah. Well, first of all, my brother wouldn't do it. Yeah. And that, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it to my brother either. Yeah, that was a no, that was never a thing with my brother and myself. Yeah. Well, I, w- yeah. I would have totally Never. dated Rob's brother after I broke up with him. Oh. Yeah, Greg would have. Yeah, but I'm not nice. But anyway, so the second thing about this is there was, he posted a video and there was a couple other little things, like pictures of him with her and stuff. And I'm like, that looks familiar. 
Yeah, the video which has been pulled down. Yeah, the video was pulled down, but um, the video didn't look familiar. But there was a few pictures but, that yeah. were in the articles that it was like that looks kind of what what, and it turns out mm-hmm. they live in Orlando. <laughs> ah! Wow! And and are of UC- course and are UCF students as well. So I am going to try to interview him at some point for you guys. I'm I'm the stories just kind of started blowing up yesterday. So I'm sure there's a lot of people going after him, but I think because we have the little UCF connection, I I might be able to uh, square something away. So with some luck, maybe we'll have a very random interview with the guy that is the point of the saddest Easter egg of all video game history. Yeah, it's it's wow. particularly sad because he um, when he posted that, he asked Insomniac if they would do that, and they came back and said, are you sure that's a good idea? And he goes... Yeah, she's been my girlfriend for five years. Of course, it's a good idea, and oh, wow. that that makes it that much more sad. What do you got, Rob? Anything new? Um, well, I, I again, there's there was another game that came out just before it that I did pick up, um, but it was like a week before that one, and I just haven't had an opportunity to play too much of it yet. But um, Divinity Original Sin 2 was finally released on PlayStation 4, so I picked that up and I'm no. trying it. It's it's a very well-received RPG. I just, like I said, haven't had a chance to get too far into it. So maybe once I do, I'll be able to give a little bit more. Well, on that note, I think it's time for Snap Decisions. Snap Decisions. So what this is, it's a place where we basically put all the weird non-pop culture related stuff. Mm-hmm. And things that might involve some discussion, but no discussion longer than a minute. Although we have a little bit of a hard time doing that because I always edit it. So sometimes our minutes become longer. Sometimes they become shorter. Yeah, and it always sparks conversation. Yeah, or I, I know I'm always like, well, actually, and then so, you know, it's my bad. We try to keep it around a minute. And I always have to try to remember when we're doing the responses to the to the. Uh to the snap decisions not to interrupt because the person's only got a minute <laughs> exactly greg's had to tell me to shut up more than once i don't tell people to shut up i do this there you go so i've got a snap decision for you guys and as i said before i went to see pearl jam up in boston over two day over two nights but i was there for about five nights six nights maybe so one of the things on my list was to go see as many like historical monuments and locations as i possibly could some of the things I got to see, uh, Paul Revere's grave, which was kind of cool, Sam Adams' grave. And then there was a bar across the street, so you could go across the street and have a cold Sam Adams right across the street from a cold Sam Adams. Wow. Which was the joke that... <laughs> no, that was a joke that at least like five different people set up there in that area. Uh, what else? You uh, can we get a, a cold one from the... You can get a cold Sam Adams there from the Sam Adams bar across the street from Sam Adams' cold one, eh? That was about I, right. That was like a- 50 accents i'm sorry it wasn't bad it was bad it was you got bad anyway i also got to see the location of the boston massacre not the not the marathon but the massacre because that was you know the start of the revolutionary war boston massacre because greg's uh, idea of historical landmarks is where all pe- where people died and, and dead people well that's most of them anyway uh, i got to see <laughs> the, the grave of the men that died in said massacre speaking of i got to see fenway park uh, where, uh, well, we'll go with the baseball joke. Where, where uh, Bill Buckner died there. Hey oh, yeah. Hey-o. There was a, that was a baseball joke for for you, nineteen eighty six baseball fans. Uh, I also got to see the, the Omni Sox Parker House oh. several times. I saw the Omni Parker House, which is a hotel which is known for two things. 
One, it is the most haunted hotel in um, Boston. Mm-hmm. And it, of course, has the, the mirror that Mark Twain used to practice in front of and you, for his live presentations of Christmas Carol. It's witchcraft. Yep. And the other thing is, it's where the Boston cream pie was accidentally created. <laughs> I remember to see the mirror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember to see the mirror. I forgot to order the cream pie. Laugh as accordingly. Anyway, back to the snap decisions. Is there any locations that you guys want to see that you haven't seen yet, and why? Uh, historical U.S. landmarks? It could be anywhere. I mean, within uh, reason. You can't be like, I want to see the moon. <laughs> no, man. Yeah. Well, okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and go first, and I'll, I'll start with a, a little bit about myself that I haven't revealed on the show yet. Um, I would love to see the pyramids and uh, to be able to get as close as possible because when I was a wee one, I actually wanted to be an Egyptologist. Was this due to watching Indiana Jones? Maybe. Interesting. So, yeah, the pyramids, Stonehenge, I mean, yeah, that's that's what I got. Excellent. I have I have heard the pyramids are really close to cities now. I saw a picture the other day. It was, like, from, like, a highway. I don't know mm-hmm. if it was composite or not. It looked pretty old. But I was like, damn. Yeah, uh, our friend is from Egypt, and when he goes back, he's been there, and it's he's, like, it would be, like, a gas station and then the pyramids. It's very weird. So, Rob, is there any place you want to see? There is. Um, I, I think anybody who's listened to the show for a little for a little while probably knows, and, and I know that you guys do as well, my, my fascination with the medieval, uh, the medieval time period, um, castles, knights, kings, queens, all that stuff. Um, the, there's, there's a couple of castles that I'd really like to check out. I've seen a lot of pictures. Rob wants to go to medieval times. Exactly. No, but there's... I don't I don't remember the name of it, but there's that one castle in Germany that you see all the time that's got the the painted pictures on either side of the front castle, you know, and it's like in the mountains. Do you know the one I'm talking about? You're gonna I'm look looking it up. up. The, hmm. It it had its own three D puzzle. Gotcha. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The you know the, the you've seen the castle. You know the one I'm talking about now, right? Is it the Neuschwanst castle? Yes. The one that looks that's a it. little bit like um the Magic Kingdom Castle? Uh, well, it's got like maybe. a red front, but the rest of it's kind of white or light gray. Yeah, and it's got like the two the two uh, pictures painted on either side of the front wall. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so I, the new Schwanstein Castle, sorry, got truncated by the Google. Yes, yes. I would really like to check that out. Um, but pretty much any like really old castle. I mean, I I, I love the, the history involved with them and stuff. And yeah, that'd Great. be awesome. Uh, what else? Okay, thank you. That was for, that was for Rob, not for you. Well, you never played me off, so I can keep talking. No, um, <laughs> thank you. That was for you, not Rob. In addition to what you've seen this past, you know, week and a half, where where do you want to go and why? Well, now I'm a little self conscious because of what you said. Um, I would love to do a the Tower of London. Mm. Um, I would also love to do a. Uh, Jack the Ripper tour, see some of those locations. But again, what you guys just said, apparently I like the the darker side of history. Yeah, no, it, I mean, if I had to think deeper, then yeah, there would be a lot more. And a lot of music uh, music places, I, I would, music locations. Yeah, I would like to see the birthplaces of, you know, David Bowie or, or mm-hmm. Freddie Mercury. So I've, seen, I've seen Jimi Hendrix where he recorded Electric Ladyland Studios. I've seen some of that stuff. I would love to see the, the Soundgarden, which is in Seattle. Um, 
which is it has it's a, you know where the band got its name uh although I'm, there may or may not be lots of heroin needles laying around in the grass which i'm a little bit less of a fan of uh, Abbey cool. Road. just just walk around barefoot free heroin word i, I said that i and 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 it, this really makes me think of it of one of the things that that um like if time travel were a thing i would be so excited simply because not because you know there's there's so many things that you could do with time travel but i would want to be able to go back in time just to see how things actually worked what happened how people did certain things you know some of the things that we think we know see if they're actually true you know stuff like that i i mean i'm just i i want to say i'm fascinated with history but i've never really studied it all that much but rob would uh do all of Go. those really cool historical mature things after he goes back and touches Cleopatra's boobs. Well, that's the first thing he would do. I mean, that, and then he would do all the, the that's stuff. a given, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's a thing. Oh yeah. I, yeah. My first stop would be like a mall in 1984 to a video arcade. No, just to a mall. Like, I'm going to play outrun and then we're going to get on with this. <laughs> Who's got spy hunter. <laughs> yeah. Right. Going to go back in time. Okay. Anyone else? Um, nah. Okay, well, let's get to our topics then. So the first topic today is going to be all about Pearl Jam, which I believe is probably the third time it's come up on this show. Hmm. I've got Recently, a feeling that somebody on this show really likes Pearl Jam. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So Pearl Jam did a European tour, and then they came back, and they did what they called the Home and Away shows, where they played Seattle for two shows, Missoula, Montana for one show, Chicago for two shows, and Boston for two shows the major city shows they played in that city's baseball park. So they played in the Mariners Park, they played in Wrigley Field, and they played in Fenway Park. Uh, having been to Chicago before and Seattle, and not really wanting to take a vacation to Montana, I decided to go to the Boston shows. Well, why not? Yeah. Plus, I wanted to see the history and stuff. And, of course, there's a friend of the podcast, Mr. Derek Rook, that lives in Boston, the founder of Rough House Publishing. And we're going to, he's going to have a book coming out soon, but I got a chance to, to hang out with him and stay with him. And he's a good friend of mine. That's awesome. The show, the show's well, apart. Go ahead. Can I, can I ask who else you got to meet while you were there? I did. I, I actually, there's a lot. I got to meet some of the people that, you know, kind of inspired the Jimmy and I to podcast the Absolutely. folks from trick or treat radio. Yes. I got to meet Raven shadow and uh, yeah, from, uh, from trick or treat radio. And I got to meet dynamo Mars. And both of them were, were super nice and it was very cool meeting them. And, you know, what you, their love of the genre of horror is, you know, on point on the show and it's on point in real life. They're about as real as you can get. And it was, it was really nice meeting them. That's so awesome. Yeah. Big shout out to Trick or Treat Radio. Thank you guys for, you know, the inspiration. Yeah. And I also, oddly enough, at one of the Pearl Jam shows, ran into a friend of mine from Orlando who has recently moved down to Delray Beach. So, which Rob, of course, will sort of know. Actually, Jimmy will know as well. But anyway, the shows. Um, so one of the reasons I really like Pearl Jam is they are, while they are one of the biggest touring bands in the world, they do not act like it. And they're not going to go up there and half-ass it. They're not going to do a, a finalized set list. And one of the things they did on this show is they donated almost all box office receipts to the city they were playing in, to the homeless population. So just in Seattle, they donated $11 million to Ooh, fight homelessness. Man, that's amazing. Wow. Um, the members of the band, from what I've heard, this might be wrong. I, this is from someone I asked that kind of has ties in the musical industry. Usually a, a big show like that, each member of the band will make about $125,000. Wow. 
Um, so do the math. So they, I, it seems to me like they did the shows at a loss, which I thought was very cool. I don't know. Uh, the numbers didn't come out yet for how much they donated in the other cities, but mm-hmm. I think it was basically all receipts went right to the homeless population. Um, just for the you know other numbers real quick, they play. They sold out all the shows, at least that they sold out all of them. But the two Fenway shows, there were seventy thousand fans each day. Uh, this was their, I believe, twenty fourth and twenty fifth show played in Boston. I'm pretty sure it was my twenty seventh and twenty eighth show seeing them. Uh, there wow. was a woman in the crowd mm-hmm. who had a sign up that said it was her hundred and ninety eighth show. Wow! Which wow. to which Eddie Vedder responded, "I don't think I've been to one hundred and ninety eight Pearl Jam shows." <laughs> Eddie Vedder being the lead singer of Pearl Jam, which I thought was I thought that was kind of funny. I I think that's a little extreme. Like, what are you doing when you're not at Pearl Jam shows? Like, that's expensive. Uh, maybe, maybe she scored big on the stock market. Uh, who knows? Who knows? But so anyway, the the. The band does really good things. They, as I've as I've said a bunch of times, the reason I you can see so many shows is they never play the same sets twice. Um, I've never seen the same sets twice. There's they there's a couple songs that will cross over. So they they played thirty songs on Sunday night, and that's with four like tags, meaning they played one song and kind of finished with another song, like they did like little jams and stuff. So about thirty four songs one night. They played about thirty four songs the other night as well. There are only four crossovers. And those were pretty much, there was, one was a big hit, Alive, uh, Given to Fly was a big hit. And then one was a cover song with a local Boston guy from Buffalo Tom. Um, so no, it was, just, it was just a really good show. Um, I did get a chance to bring Derek to it. And he had, you know, he's big on heavy metal shows, you know, types of shows Jimmy would go to. Although it's very interesting because you and Derek both love metal, but com- completely different bands. Oh, there are bands so. that like, you'll say you love. He's like, yeah, I don't really like them. And then there's bands that I know that you very specifically hate. That like he, whom? Um, one of which is Acid Bath. Ugh. Yeah, see, <laughs> I don't know how much of a big fan he is of them. Actually, yeah, he is. He he likes them quite a bit. Um, oh, there was another band he played me this this trip was that they were really good, but he really likes Typo Negative. Um, love me some Typo. Okay, so we're all there. Oh yeah, yeah. No, uh, Peter Steele actually. Uh, the late Peter Steele of Typo Negative. Uh, what does he share in common with Eddie Vedder? <laughs> yeah. So one of the things they do is that Pearl Jam does a cover of a song called Crazy Mary by a folk singer. And at the end, they kind of do a jam with the guitarist and the keyboardist, where the keyboard will do, keyboardist will do something crazy, and then the guitarist has to match, and then they kind of go back and forth. As they're doing it, usually Eddie Vedder, Eddie Vedder climbs off the stage and pours wine to the people in the front row, because the, the lyrics right before to like take a bottle, pass it down, or take a bottle, pass it around, et cetera, et cetera. 99 bottles of beer. <laughs> Something like that. So he'll pass it around. And I was, I was, I was making note that like there have been shows where that, where uh, he'll have a couple bottles of wine, if not more during the show. So thought it was a uh, kind of cool. Uh, there are a few things, another few things I really liked that they did a, a lot of cover songs. You know, they did won't back down by, by uh, Tom Petty, of course. They did I Am a Patriot, which is, uh, I know it from Jackson Brown, but it was written by a guy named Little Steven. Mm-hmm. Uh, they dedicated a song to John McCain. Uh, oh, nice. A song called Army and to all of those and all the soldiers. Uh, Pearl Jam is notoriously very liberal and they're very outspoken about it. But I was so happy, one, that they did, that dedicated the, the song to a true patriot. Mm-hmm. And also that the crowd went completely bananas crazy for uh, it. There's... Because uh, I would I would hate 
to be associated with a fan group that's going to boo someone that recently you know, fought for our country. Away. Well, fought for our country. I, I think there's only... all extents stood up for what he believed in. I think there's only one person that I know who uh, said he wasn't an American hero. Exactly. I don't know this person personally, but they're very orange. <laughs> that sounds like a real shit given. A shit given? What's that? I'm not going in there. So anyway, did that. Uh, Kevin Euclid came out, which I thought was pretty cool. And I, I Rob doesn't know who that is, but I'm sure Jimmy nope. does. Is a uh, third baseman? Uh, yeah, for the, the Red Sox team that won, I believe. Was he third baseman? Either third or first. Uh, I think I he might have been one of those that like bounced around, but you know he was there. Um, and then just just to uh, I, I looked up some some critic reports, and one one critic said if the set list for the Tuesday show was only the final four songs that the band played, it would have still been the best performances that one of the best performances he's ever seen in um, in Boston. And Jimmy saw one of those because I FaceTimed it during the show. Uh, so they played "Dirty Water," which is the song that they play at Red Sox games when they win. Mm. Uh, with Danny with Danny Sinch, who's a music video director and photographer, he came out and played harmonica. And then they went right into a live big hit, uh, "Baba O'Reilly," which is a Who song, which Rob might actually know that one. Uh, they, they, well, not not by name, I don't. Yeah, it's. I think they used it at the beginning of one of the CSI shows. If I remember who correctly. are you? It's it sounds like that. I thought they used another one. They used it. Yeah, in, yeah that one. I really want to know. Is that? Is that the song you're talking about? That's, that's who are you, but no, Bubba Riley has the, it's like, out here in the fields, we fight for our meals, and I'm ruining oh, yeah. the song. Yeah, they played that, and then they played Yellow Led Better, which was their kind of bluesy song, and the, even those four songs left us, like, just exhausted. So, it was an awesome trip. If you guys like rock, and like, just like a band that, you know, they're 50-something years old, they're low, low 50s, and they are still as active as they were in their 20s. Maybe not climbing up scaffolding, but they give it all. Uh, Jimmy's seen them with me, and it's definitely worth something to see because one of the things you realize, not, I don't think, I, knock on wood, anything bad's going to happen to them, though, but they're the last one standing out of the 90s bands. You know, lead singer Soundgarden is gone. Drummer Soundgarden is now in Pearl Jam. Uh, Alice in Chains is touring with two different members. Nirvana, gone. Basically, the Foo Fighters now. Well, but that, um, that brings up the old question. Does it still count as being the band if it's not the original band? Well, yeah, Alice in Chains, I, I see them as two different entities. Like, the name is the same, and both of them are actually good. But I definitely, I do see them as two different entities. And the music, the musical style changed along the way. Yeah, there's like the, the post-Lane Staley uh, Alice in Chains, but it's still, God, what's his name? You know it. Go ahead. Oh, uh, the guitarist? Um, yeah. Dot had uh, shit. I was talking about him like oh for my six God, minutes. Why do I not? Uh, but, but like Journey's got a new lead singer, but I mean they're still essentially playing all their same songs. But what's weird is everyone knows uh, Journey. Jerry Can- sorry, Jerry. Jerry Cantrell. Cantrell. Yeah. yeah, he 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 was very much always Allison. Yeah. Now the thing with Journey is the the lead singer that made Journey super famous was their second lead singer. Mm-hmm. So like when they did Wheel in the Sky, which was a huge song. Mm-hmm. They had a different lead singer than when they did "Don't Stop Believing." So Journey's always been kind of weird, and I think the guitarist owns everything and wrote everything, and just would hire lead singers to just do what you know, do what I say, kind of thing. And then that's what caused the lead singer to leave. Although Wait, the lead singer is coming am I, back with it. Am I album. thinking? Am I thinking of the wrong band? Who's Who's the band? Because I, I thought the lead singer died. The uh, Allison Chains lead singer died. Soundgarden the lead singer died. Um, 
No, Unfortunately, the one that's a long list. The one where they where they found the the Filipino kid on YouTube or something was singing their songs. That, that's Journey, but it leads into yeah. Stola. Okay, he yeah. had a he had some like he left Journey, but um, Steve Perry he had yeah. some real severe vocal issues for many oh, years. Okay. There was I just read a long article about him the other day. It's actually kind of interesting. So you know, I was bringing it up. We're talking about it. Let's do it. Uh, he did leave for a while. He did he did that song Oh Sherry, which I'm sure everyone's heard. Like right after he left, then he had some vocal problems and he stopped. He was doing, he did some thing where he met this woman and they weren't, and they hit it off and they warned him and said, this woman is currently in a remission on some sort of cancer, but it's not, doesn't look good. Uh-huh. So he said, that's fine. We'll trade emails. And they ended up together for a little less than four years or maybe I'm, I'm getting that year, the year thing wrong, but it wasn't long. And right before she passed, there was something where she basically said, you need to sing again. You need to do it. So there's a weird band called Eels, which they had like one alternative hit in the late 90s. And he would like watch them play at like their warehouse. And one day he just showed up with his microphone. He's like, can I sing? And they're like, yeah. And he the is. Eels? Yeah, with Eels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. And he is releasing an album. It might, I mean, might be this week, might be next week. It's weird that we're talking about it because like, I literally read the article yesterday and the new, there's a new song, a new album. It's actually pretty good as his voice is, has held up. Nice. So that's what I got about Pearl Jam. At the end of the day, if you want to see a good rock show, that's very positive, go see them. That's all I can say. I agree. Since we're talking a little bit about music or a lot about music, there's a couple of albums that came out and Jimmy has had a chance to listen to them. So uh, Jimmy, can you tell us about the new albums you picked up? Yes, I can. And I'm happy to do so. You talked about how Pearl Jam is, you know, unapologetically who they are. Uh, You know, they're still very humble and they put on a good show every time. Their their albums aren't overly produced. I I think you could agree with that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Um, Uh, Sometimes in a good way and sometimes in a bad way. I gotcha. But I want to talk about a... Rock and roll staple, um, God, at least from the mid nineties, early nineties, who has evolved over time and just evolved into this massive, um, great rock band. And that is clutch. And we've talked about them. I have talked about them, uh, very recently as they were releasing singles ahead of the release of book of bad decision. It is their 12th album. And I said, from the greatest rock band of this generation, which Greg might argue with. I was I was just going to ask that because I believe everyone has their own opinions. Thank you. Music is a very personal thing, even if you're wrong. It is. Uh, I I think they are the embodiment of rock and roll fury. They just they have their and I wrote down that they're they're big, fat and fuzzy American rock and roll. Unleash um, the fury, Clutch. <laughs> they're known as the mighty clutch in in their fan circle they, they sound hot and dusty to me in a good way mm. like yeah, i get that like uh, a like a car that was driving through the desert and like it was going and it burnt out and the you know dropped its engine and the engine caught on fire <laughs> and was it overheated oh, and that's, that's them that's very true uh it, it they're it, Lyrically, Neil Fallon is very underrated. He is the the front man. Um, I, I mentioned before, I think one of the, the best uses of a song on television was The Regulator in the uh, the episode of The Walking Dead 
Um, I hear Nebraska's nice, where I think it was the first time Rick gunned some people down. You you remember I that, did. right? Because you I did. You went and got a Clutch album right after that. Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, they sing about cars a lot. They sing about uh, eighteen wheelers and you know politics and uh, and there's even a recipe for Maryland style crab cakes on the album in the song Hot Bottom Feeder. I kind of want to make those. I do too. There, there are actual, um, there are breakdowns of it online that you can make, uh, clutches, Maryland style crab cakes. They're from Maryland. So they, they reference the Chesapeake Bay a lot, which growing up, I, um, I had a lot of seafood from the Chesapeake Bay. I am looking up the recipe. Yeah, you'll find it. Um, so, you know, just, uh, briefly just kind of touch on some of the, the tracks from there. I've talked about, give me the keys. Um, and how to shake hands, which were two of the singles that came out. There are, there's, there's everything from like, there's a lot of funk influence from the you know kind of guitar sound to um, there are a lot of keys that uh, you know Jerry Lee Lewis would be proud of on there as well. Particularly, yeah, you mentioned that in the, the first West. couple of listens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ghoul Wrangler is, is a really fun song to listen to, and it has very fun imagery associated with it. He's, he's basically talking about litigators or attorneys as zombies, and he's hunting them down. Uh, they're trying to take his farm, I believe. Uh, they they are a mid-northeast band, but they have a very southern kind of sound. Um, it's just fat, it's heavy, and, and it's their 12th album, and it's been just totally consistent. Um, with this album's gotten a lot of press too, not just because we t- were talking about it more, but they had a pretty decent size hit. What ten years ago or so? Mm, with like what? Uh, Electric Worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe seven years ago, six. I don't know. Time goes mm, fast. Uh, but... Electric Worry was quite a quite a while ago, I believe. Mm-hmm. But it that's one of those stompy rock songs with the you know featuring the harmonica um, that they just incorporate these real kind of soulful sounds in it. That there there are songs. Oftentimes with, you know, previous releases and the song Burning Beard, um, if you listen to that, it, it's almost very preacher-like, um, like Neil Fallon standing in front of a congregation, you know, delivering a sermon, a rock and roll sermon. I got a long drive tomorrow. I'm going to have to pick that up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very good. Um, Paper and Strife is another one. It's a it's it's a it's like a fat, funky song, and it uh, references the blues singer Robert Johnson who recorded arguably I, I love me some Robert Johnson. Yeah, uh very 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 early recordings of what you could call the blues or rock and roll. He is um, the I believe the musician that everyone says sold his soul to the devil at the crossroads. Yes. So whenever you hear blues songs referencing the crossroads, mm-hmm. there's it's basically that Robert Johnson was standing on the side of one of those dusty roads that is just one road going off forever and the other one crossing it. And he was there and he met the devil and sold his soul for his fame. And that's why he died young and all this other stuff. He did. He died at 27. And actually, he... I, I went to the crossroads. Did you? And it's like the one that's referenced in the song. And now it's like, you know, there's like a waffle house on one corner and like a McDonald's on the other corner. It's kind of weird, but because, because there's gotta be a McDonald's everywhere. Yeah. And it's the South. So it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, I yeah. forget where it was, but I did drive by through it. Um, Robert Johnson was, and we've debated this a few times, but Robert Johnson was um, inducted into the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think the first year 
um, he's credited as being one of the greatest rock and roll player, uh, uh, guitar players of all time. And Eric Clapton called him the most important blues singer that ever lived. We're talking about a couple of recordings from many, many years ago. And if you listen to them now, based on recording technology, it almost sounds like a, a savant, um, uh, a prodigy uh, recording music to sound like it's super. And Clutches is, is hugely influenced, as are a lot of other rock and roll blues musicians. Um, and I think you can really hear it in their sound. And, uh, you know, lastly, in addition to, you know, a, a lot of other great tracks on the album, Clutch tends to include kind of one, mm, if you listen to Psychotic Warf uh, Psychic Warfare, um, their last album, um, there's a song on there called, I'm drawing a blank right now, there's Son of Virginia, and then there's Our Lady of Electric Light, which are kind of these kind of slow marching battle hymns. And the one on there on this album that I really appreciate and I really love is called Lorelei. And it's got those um, like fife and drum kind of sound, you know, that you always see in in movies where there's a drum line, you know. So uh, I've loved Clutch for for many many years. And if you guys haven't heard of Clutch, you got twelve albums to go through, and they all progress and they grow up a little bit each time. So check them out, Rob. I, just, I actually think you might like it. I just looked at the uh, at the crossroads. There's a uh, bar, there is a monument to the Devil Crossroads there. Mm -hmm. which, um, how I knew it was that. But there's also a barbecue place, a U-Haul, a uh, Sonic drive-in, U-Haul, <laughs> and there's a there's an auto repair place, probably from people like crashing in the intersection while trying to take pictures of the big monument, um, a hospice, and a donut place. So that's that's where the blues was founded. A very eclectic yeah, sure. mix. Yeah, that all sounds about right. <laughs> Satan's mini mart. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that was one album. And one very yeah. rootsy, <laughs> down-home, just heavy ZZ Top, just badass album. It's, and we're going to go badass on the other direction. Yeah, Dance for, with the Dead. Know, I, a lot of listeners of Clutch will listen to it initially. And, and Rob, this is why I, I think you'd be a fan of Clutch. If I, I think if a person who hasn't listened to them throughout their entire career would go, man, this is country. Hmm. And I, I always go, no, wait, wait, but hang on a second. Hang on. Um, to defend their sound, you can't really classify them. They they are genre bending and genre blending. And that I find it very telling that you feel mm -hmm. that somebody who thinks it sounds like country, you feel that you have to defend them. Is it bad to sound like country? Well, I'm going to chime in here. Yes, yes. Screw yeah. you, Greg. <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad to sound like country, but when when somebody says, "Oh, this sounds like country," I, I think you're um, you're pigeonholing it. And, and you're drawing comparisons to, um, I don't know, I think Keith Urban, I think Toby Keith, uh, as I'm, I'm not the most educated on country, but I always feel like I have to say, man, well, they're, they are rock and roll, man. Slide guitars and, and twang, and um, I hate country music. So when I listen to Clutch, I'm like, oh, I hear those influences, and I'm like, wait, why, why do I like this so much? Maybe I need to go back and do some more reading. Okay, so now... Now we'll get to dance with the dead. Yes. So the, the re, there's well, we like the album. But the other reason we are talking about this is you might have heard one of their songs appear at the beginning of this episode and beginning of a couple episodes ago because we met them at a, at a show and mm -hmm. we asked like, hey, do you mind if we use some of your music? And they said, use the shit out of it. Is that what it was? They said, use the shit out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And Rob's mad at me now, so he's not going to talk anymore. No, I. Not mad at you at all. 
Okay, good. You'll know when Rob's mad at you. He'll take your kidney. <laughs> You'll wake up in a bathtub full of ice. Oh, dear with, God. With uh, no again? kidneys. Yeah, exactly. Not again, please. But no, no we... so Dance with the Dead, um, they yeah. they said that we could use your music, and then they stole one of Jimmy's kidneys. They did. Uh, actually, no, I can't say that, because like Rob, they are super nice guys. Um, it's also a classic uh, Magic the Gathering card with some really great artwork on it. It that may the only thing I can find on the um, origination of their name was that uh, they Tony Kim and Justin Pointer were you know they're they're metal artists they were in bands and I believe Tony Kim sent a track that he had been working on over to Justin Pointer called Dance with the Dead and Justin Pointer said well that should be the name of the band so it based on their influences they're very much influenced by horror movies and soundtracks from the 80s uh you know lead heavy songs very heavy metal guitars i'm gonna jump in here real quick um i just looked up stolen kidneys as the magic card it had cool artwork on it (laughs) and then realized what you were actually talking about and it is in fact the dance of the dead card and it is by half it is Dance of the Dead, not Dance with yeah. the Dead. That, that artwork yeah. needs to be airbrushed onto like a BC Rich Warlock or... <laughs> oh, man. O- or a BC Rich Bitch. Yep. Yeah. That's a good, those are guitars. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's got just a bunch of Grim Reapers like jamming out. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. Oh, that, sounds, that sounds like a concept of a video that Glenn Benton from D-Side wanted to do and the rest of the members of the band were like, dude, that's stupid. No, it's, it, I, we, we'll put this on the Facebook book page at some point okay sorry continue so no it's cool uh there's a huge metal influence on this album you know screaming guitars it actually features i don't know if you know this greg but it features uh on two tracks a guitar work of nick hippa i hope i'm saying that correctly but do you know who that is i do not nick hippa is the guitar player from as i lay dying Oh. Which we could get into a whole discussion about. Whole discussion. Yeah. Um, As I Lay Dying is uh, newly reformed after the singer um, served his time for trying to have his ex-wife killed. Oh, yeah. yeah. I always get all those, the bands that are like, their titles are segments or like phrases. I get them all mixed up. They ran out of band names right around the time that like the emo world started and like now everyone like had panic of the disco and all that stuff i get them all mixed up i hate that um yeah i mean i i can't my mom left the iron on (laughs) 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 i think we need to change the name of this episode no the top five phrases that would make great band names (laughs) but that that's not to take away anything from the talents of of nick hippa i i don't i just can't not mention that in the same breath Yes, that was a double negative. Uh, but this release, Love to Death, if we haven't said it already, um, is, I think, a lot harder and a lot heavier and faster than their previous releases. This is their fourth album. Um, Greg, would you agree with that? Yes. And ever since, like, years ago, you know, when Skid Row toured with Pantera and all of a sudden they became, like, Pantera Light, I've always wondered if bands, like, tour together or hear, like, what other people... Um, have played if they're going to like it harder. So like, I know where you're going with this. So like ghost released a remarkably heavy album. Sorry. Ghost as Rob says, released a remarkably heavy album and then toured with dance of the dead. And now all of a sudden dance of the dead has released a ridiculously heavy album. And I'm sure somewhere in there, perturbator has also played with these guys too. Yeah, they have. Um, 
Dance with the Dead is actually coming here on October 21st with um, Daniel Deluxe, who's another big name. And I'm air quoting here, Dark Scent. But I am unable to make that show. So if you're here and you check it out, Greg, please buy me a lapel pin. And I'll I, will, I will try. Is that like a corsage? It's like the Disney pins, but it's cool, like little logo thing. Did you just say it's like it, it's like Disney pins, but cool? <laughs> but cool. Oh, we're insulting Rob so much tonight. I'm so. Sorry. I didn't mean it like that. I meant it's it's like a Disney pin, but, but cool. Instead, but instead of it being <laughs> a Disney pin, it is something actually it's like cool. A... <laughs> That's not any better. So, um, my favorite track. Uh, aside from the first track, which is called Go. Um, which I think they opened up with when we saw them. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Um, but Go is a very fast, like if you're driving, remember that driving fast is not safe for anyone because that song will get you going. Uh, it immediately made me want to run a, a marathon with an electric guitar in one hand and like a pizza in the other. Does it does it have the same effect as like Eye of the Tiger does? A little bit, yeah. Because Eye of the Tiger, I th- I feel like is one of those songs that you can't listen to without wanting to do like some kind of boxing or training montage. I, the one, the one that gets me, me we've mentioned on last week's episode, Burn. Yeah, that one too. Um, Into the Shadows is probably my favorite track on the album, which uh, features the guitar work by Nick Hippa. Uh, the, the track also features, uh, I'm sorry, the other, the track Creep also features uh, guitars by Nick Hippa. Red Moon um, has a guest on it, and that is Elliot Sloan. And it took me the longest time. He's a professional skateboarder, which is a little weird, but it's very cool, very good. I'm not saying that skateboarders can't play guitar. War is another hard hitter, and Portraits uh, from the album is, is probably the closest to their older material, but otherwise it's it's very hard hitting, very heavy. Um, War, I hate to say this, but it has a little bit of dubstep, dubstep influence on it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah I know. I heard, that. Sorry to say I heard that, that a little but bit. It does. Is dubstep still a thing? Mm. I think it's called EDM now. You gotta be careful. The millennials might be listening. If you're a fan of EDM, listen, if you like guitars, check it out. <laughs> you yeah so that you know that's that's what we think yeah (laughs) exactly but dance with the dead love to death check it out they're super nice guys um they're very approachable during their concerts and if you get the chance to see them you should because they have a lot of really cool stuff set up for their their new stage show for their love to death u.s tour so uh check it out okay so that was a whole whole lot of music and now rob is going to take over and talk about three movies now, Rob, what I, was, what I was trying to say earlier was the pins are like Disney pins, but less lame. That's what I was trying to say. Ah. Yeah. So it wasn't that offensive. F you, Greg. <laughs> Rob, tell me about the movies that I did not see. I said Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> I just said Nazi. You totally did say Nazi. Um, well, the as the summer movie season has drawn to a close, there were a couple of other movies that I did get a chance to go check out. Um, we won't go real in-depth to them um, because we're already going to be running a little bit long, and there's a couple of them. But there were, there were ones that I wanted to see that I got around to seeing. They weren't big blockbusters or anything like that. But I did get a chance to check out uh, three other films that we haven't discussed yet. One of them was Mile 22. Uh, starred Lauren Cohen, um, Mark Wahlberg, 
Tony and... Jaws Martial Arts Superstore. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh, is this um, the Boston Marathon one? No. Or, okay, my bad. Um, I thought it was. Mark Wahlberg and Mile, 22 Mile. Anyway, continue. Yes. No. It was, it's, it's like a uh, Special Forces kind of thing. Okay. Um, it also had Ronda Rousey in it. Um, basically, they're a elite Special Forces team that is kind of off the books, and they're hired to transport a an asset, so to speak, who's defecting from his country, who knows the whereabouts of some nuclear weapons, I guess. And they're trying to get the the information from him, but he'll only give them the information if he can get them safely out of if he if they can get him safely out of the city that he's in, which is Thailand or the country that he's in, Thailand. He wants asylum, basically. And it's all about them trying to get him to the airport where he can then take off and leave the country. A um, lot of really good action. Some twists and turns here. Um, some villains that you really want to hate. Some heroes that you root for. Not everybody survives. I'll leave it at that. But it, it was an enjoyable movie. Um, the action sequences were pretty good. Lauren Cohen, uh, surprisingly, I thought did really well in a much more action-oriented role than what she normally does. I mean, Walking Dead, I guess, is kind of action. I mean, her role really isn't like super action-oriented, but she had some really good fight scenes in this movie, or at least one really good fight scene. And um, it, it, it was a very enjoyable movie. Again, it's not one of the ones that I would say you have to rush out to go see, but... You movie, might want I was to check just it out. looking it up as I usually do, and it's directed by Peter Berg, and I I love Peter Berg. I didn't know that he did this. He uh, he did Friday Night Lights, mm. um, right? He did uh, at least the TV show Friday Night Lights. He did the Deepwater Horizon movie, which I didn't see. He did he did the movie Patriots Day, which is the one about the Boston Marathon, I think. Right. Yes, I believe it is. Believe uh, he also right. did an untitled Rihanna documentary. In case that's your thing. Oh, well, yes, yeah. but he's. I like him. He's a pretty straightforward director, but every once in a while he'll do something that's in the middle of his movies that are it's kind of a little out there. And I happen to like that. It keeps you kind of you know, he'll do an interesting camera shot or shoot something through like a a door, and you just kind of see the reaction without hearing what people are saying. And it's it's very cool. It's very it's he adds a lot of emotion, which I kind of like. Yeah, and and the movie was enjoyable. Um, it may not be something that you have to go see in the theater. You don't necessarily need to pay full price for it for for it for. Yeah, you don't necessarily need to pay full price for it. We know what you mean. Okay, so exactly. let, let's do it this way. So we, we'll we say um, dollar theater, uh, sure. $4. $5 Tuesday. The five Okay, so dollar theater, $5 Tuesday, student discount, or opening night full price. That'll be your, your review for these for these next three movies. Okay, how much is student discount? The student discount is like $2 off full price. Oh, less, okay. Less it's not as uh, good of a deal as Tuesday night movie. Yeah, so it's okay. So it's like ten bucks instead of twelve. This okay. So mile twenty two, I will give the the five dollar Tuesday. It's not one that you have to see in the theater, but five dollars would be worth it to go see it in the theater. How about that? Okay, perfect. Fair enough. Movie number two. Movie number two is going to be Equalizer two. Now I'm not usually a Denzel fan. It, it it's. He's he's done a couple of movies that I've really enjoyed, and one of which was the first Equalizer, which was why I was curious to go see this one. I really enjoyed the first Equalizer. I thought it was very well done. It was a great movie, a lot of action. It actually it actually had me believing Denzel as a as an action movie guy, and it had a great premise to it. The retired hitman who helps people out, stuff like that. 
thus the equalizer. Well, equalizer two had a lot less equalizing and a lot more uh, taken, I guess. The I, uh, I okay. You, you know, you I have a very particular set of skills. I will find you and I will kill you kind of thing. Okay. It, Equalizer 2 seemed was a lot more revenge than equalizing. Although it did it did open up with him doing one of the things that he normally did um where his the the bookstore that he that he frequented was being was being targeted by a the the because I'm kind of guessing at it here because they don't really give it to you in detail, but the gist you get from it is that the bookstore that he frequents where he buys his books is being targeted by somebody who appears to be interested in the real estate, wants them to sell. They won't sell or they won't pay for protection or something. So they kidnap the bookstore owner's daughter and he goes after him, kills them all, gets the daughter, brings her back, says absolutely nothing and just kind of shows up at the bookstore. And that's where you find out that, that the girl he rescues at the very beginning of the movie is the bookstore lady's daughter. And as he's leaving, he's like, oh, I noticed the moving sign's gone. And the mom kind of looks at the kid and says, oh, yeah, things things are much better now. Like, but she doesn't know who dropped it, who dropped her daughter off. You know, she doesn't know that it was him. But he basically did it to save his favorite bookstore because she needed help and no one else or could do it. All right. So that was the kind of stuff that I liked from the first Equalizer. But then this one, you know, it starts out with that. But then one of his friends is killed, and then he just goes for revenge. And that's pretty much what the rest of the movie is. And it's like, okay, this really isn't so much equalizing. Did, did they not take enough time to build up his friend's character so that you, like, cared about him? Or were you just like... Well, no, I mean, I mean, it's 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 a friend. The friend died. But that's not really what I always associated the equalizer with. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't the whole, oh, you know, you killed like the John Wick, you killed the wrong person's dog, you know, that kind of thing. It, it's it, the, the premise of the movie, the premise of the title of the movie seems to have gotten lost. He's not really equalizing. It's just kind of more of revenge. And, and at that point it becomes more of like an action movie, just like an action movie, John Wick without the, without the feel good, helping the little guy kind of thing. You know what I mean? Okay. It, it, it sounds like you don't know what I mean, but that's Okay. Well, no, it, it sounds like it, it just doesn't have, it just doesn't make you connect as much with the character. And, and, and that, that may be what the problem was because you know how I watch movies. Occasionally I'll find little things that just bug me for the whole movie. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, uh. I mean, the action sequences were still good. He did a couple of really neat things like, oh, <laughs> they brought up the fact that, that powdered sugar is extremely flammable. I did not know. That. I believe that is true. Uh, flour it, it is flour as well. Yes, Fly, oh, it was flour. It wasn't powdered sugar. Yeah, flour is that's if you light a match in a flour silo and like there's flour in the air, it will blow up the entire. It silo. will. It will explode because all of the flour in the air will ignite. Mm -hmm. And he he uses that he uses that trick to kill one of the guys who's stalking him. He goes through a bakery, like opens up all the bags of flour, and turns on the fans. And then set something up so that, you know, when the door opens, there's a spark and then the whole place explodes. It's, you know, kind of interesting. But little known fact, flour is flammable. Um, yeah, guys, be careful. We are not responsible if you blow up your kitchen. Don't do it. Uh, we would like to see the video of you blowing up your kitchen, however. But we're not responsible for said video. I think no. that covers it. But That's film it for us. Okay, so um, how, uh, how much on that one? That $5 is... $5 Tuesdays. Student discount, 
or opening night full price? I'm actually going rental on it. Going rental? Yeah. I, I'm going to have to rent it anyway because I've not seen the first one. Both of them have I, snuck out without me knowing what they are. Well, yeah, the I would, second I would one say, we talked about it. But. I would say rent it. It's not one that you have to go to the movie theater to spend the money on popcorn and, and gas and all that other stuff for. Gotcha. And last but not least. Moving on to one one of the actresses that I've really enjoyed. It, well, let me qualify that. I've enjoyed her in some of the movies she's done because her movies really kind of seem to be hit or miss, and that's Melissa McCarthy. Some movies she does are really, really funny. Some movies are, okay, that wasn't so good. All right. Why did I watch that? I wish you write a thesis on what makes a good Melissa McCarthy movie. I I'm think under, you should. I'm under the impression that it's the ratio of poop jokes to serious moments. Yeah, maybe they could uh, use their student discount to watch this movie. Yeah, exactly. Use your student discount and write a theory. But anyway, continue. Right. Sorry. But Happy Time Murders is about a a world where people live side by side with uh, animate puppets. So the puppets are alive. They have their own life. So they're like Muppets, and they kind of walk around, and they do things. Our lawyer <coughs> – I'm dying. Our lawyer said we're not allowed to use the word Muppets. <coughs> oh, we're not. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Motley Puppets. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so – and they call them Puppets. They don't call them Muppets or Motley Puppets. Um, so she plays a detective in a world where someone has started killing puppets. And she's trying to figure out why. And as as they're doing doing their detective work, she realizes that all of the puppets who are being killed are part of a television show from like decades ago called Happy Time. Happy Time pup, Puppets? Happy Time? Oh, I don't even remember. Happy Time Pals or something like that. But the it's it's actually pretty funny. And it's it, part of that might be because it's fun to watch, you know, kids puppets be completely inappropriate and irreverent and the the scene where where the two puppets have sex is actually kind of funny and it's one of those scenes where they just let it go on and on and on where you know you know where somebody tells a joke and then they kind of they just kind of poke at you and they're like huh 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 so this movie is actually directed by brian henson son of jim henson and in hearing you describe this it's almost like he's trying to kill off his dad's legacy with a joke <laughs> well uh, i'm i no i don't know that he's trying are you talking about the 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 joke that i'm talking about that just keeps going on and on and on until until you stop it no i'm just thinking about how how crass it was uh, I, or how crass it is com compared to his father's work which was a little more it, it, it wasn't adult themed in the you know but it wasn't exactly geared towards young children, but it seems a lot more crass than his father's. And, and it's kind of dirtying that legacy. Well, I don't know that I view it as dirtying the legacy because I, I view it as as taking something and, and morphing it into something that you don't expect it to be. Because, you know, the 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 Motley puppets were so loved by by so many generations. They were around for so long. And... And that's not what and who they are. So taking them and putting them in this situation, I don't view it necessarily as as tarnishing their legacy so much as just having them do something that's completely unexpected and thus get the comedy value out of it. Yeah, I understand that. Um, I don't know. It just it 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 doesn't pull me in. Um, maybe when it comes to Netflix, 
I'll I'll check it out. But I feel like, and I, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I feel like everything I need to know about the movie I saw from the trailer. And and you that's know, what I thought too. Every, everything you need to know about the movie, yes, you saw in the trailer. But but it was not one of those trailers where they showed you like all of the funny scenes in the movie because I've been to those movies also. Where you're like, okay, where's where's that one scene from the trailer? And then you laugh, and then that's like the only funny scene in the movie. It, it wasn't like that. They they had a bunch that was going on in the movie. They had a lot to laugh at. They had a lot of jokes set up in the movie. So, I mean, of the three movies, this was the one I enjoyed the most. But I mean, I'm I'm more of a comedy person. And this was the only comedy of the of the three. Um, this was the one I enjoyed the most, but it's still a, a five dollar movie. movie. Well, that's it makes sense because most of those movies do get pushed towards the end of the summer. You know, people have start going back to school. People are trying to do that last vacation. So a lot of times those movies get pushed late. And I believe we're going to be revisiting summer movies in a second. Yes. Yep. Okay, guys, I'm going to do a little bit of a warning here. The movie I'm I'm mentioning was definitely made way before the Me Too era. And it's a movie called Ms. 45 and some of the things I'll be talking about. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but you know there is going to be some conversation about rape and things like that. So you can always check out the time code that we have listed in all of our podcast postings and jump ahead if that's not your thing. But the movie is oddly a little bit of a female empowerment movie. And I thought it was very interesting to see a movie from 1981 that touched on things that are just now being talked about. So I think it's worth worth talking about. So the, the movie, as I said, it's called Ms. 45. That's MS and then period 45, like the, the gun. It's a, meaning the gun. It, uh, the it sub- sounds like it's in the same vein of like I spit on your grave. Is that true? Very much so, actually. Like yeah, If you yeah. look up Ms. 45, it'll say other movies that you might want to watch is I spit on your grave. Oh, That's actually the, the first one on IMDb, if I remember correctly. Nice. Uh, the subtitle of the movie is Angel of Vengeance. And I, I got to, I basically got off the airplane in Boston. Uh, my buddy Derek picked me up and he said, and we went out to dinner with some, some friends. And then basically was like, hey, there's a midnight showing at this cool little theater called the Coolidge. Very cool little theater called the, called the Coolidge. It was, it was just awesome. It had, you know, it was one of those old style theaters with the curtain and like the really cool paintings on the wall and stuff like that. It had like a stage. It was very neat. Uh, the movie was very 1981, and I thought that it was you – know, you, we all hear about how bad New York was in the late 70s, early 80s. Crime-ridden, you know, prostitutes, Times Square was a bad place. Mm-hmm. And a lot of movies will reference that, like Escape from New York. Taxi um, Driver. Yeah, Taxi Driver. I remember a lot of um, – yeah, The Warriors, definitely. Uh, even some of the comic books, which most of those comic books were made in New York. So they always had these ra- roving gangs of thugs that, like, Batman or someone would beat up before they got to, like, the super-powered villains. Roving bicycle ninja gangs. Yeah, with, like, red headbands and switchblades and vests with no shirts on, which should be my new look, really. So th- this is very much like that. You know, you've... I, the, honestly, the movie really felt more like real life than some reality movies I've seen or some of the, the found footage movies. It kind of looked like they would pull up a car, jump out, film a scene, and jump back in and drive off because it was not a pretty cleaned up movie. You know, like if there was a pile of garbage on the ground, it was like a legit pile of garbage. It wasn't like a set, you know? Um, so that, I thought that was really interesting. But the the basic story is there's like a, a seamstress who works in the garment district of New York and she's, she's mute. So she doesn't say a word the entire movie. And she, on her way home from work, she gets raped. 
while this is happening, you're also seeing someone breaking into her apartment. So after she gets raped in an alley, she goes to her apartment. She's in the process of being robbed and she gets raped again. Uh, so it's, it's very not edited like a current movie would be edited. It's uncomfortably long to the point of where like I looked around the theater and there's obviously a bunch of weirdo horror fans in the theater because it's like at midnight, you know? So you look around, there's a bunch of like dudes sitting alone and all of them kind of like looked uncomfortable, like <laughs> kind of slipping down in their chairs. Like, Ugh. so anyway, during that second one, she basically is able to grab like a, some item in her room and beats the guy's head in and then kills him and takes his gun. That's where the Miss 45 thing comes in. So couple interesting things. She does start going around anytime she gets sexually harassed, she blows the dude away. So like, you know, Hey baby, what are you doing, baby? Where you, why don't you come with me, baby? And then blow those guys away. Um, starts escalating and stuff like that. And I thought the very interesting thing about this being an exploitation film is where people were usually like, well, those are filthy, disgusting films. It did a better job of showing what sexual harassment is like from a boss and how subtle it is and how it can slowly start building. Um, then most other movies from that era and forward. So okay. I th like, I thought it was really interesting where it was like, you know, it's okay, doll. Why don't you come here? And, you know, starts off with just put your arm around somebody. But she starts kind of freaking out a little bit because she just had very bad bad situations and then becomes, well, I'm having a party. There's lots of young guys for you you can hook up with. You know, little comments like that to when the party's happening where she he brings him up to the to her room and to his room and he starts like, you know, doing all sorts of things, trying to do stuff with her. Um, so it I'm trying to think. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting the way these movies seem to have a better idea of what was going on and the bad side of things than some of the movies that you'll see where it's like, Oh, that sex crazed maniac guy. He's the funny one, which sometimes you'll go back and look at the, this guy that was always talking about sex in a movie, like a, a comedy. And you're like, Oh, this wouldn't play well right now. Like American pie, or even like I was thinking Dan Fielding on Night Court, you might be like, oh, <laughs> you know, this guy's clearly hitting on his clients, that kind of thing. But anyway, um, the eventually this escalates and she starts killing basically anyone and she starts getting darker and darker and darker. Uh, she does dress as a nun for the Halloween party when she basically blows away every guy in the in the place uh, to a very weird horn song. Or I think it's a saxophone song, but they use a horn in the like the band playing it. But every time she starts freaking out and like having these nightmares, they play this like bleeding saxophone horn sound over and over again. And it's like recorded way too loud. It's it's like really hot. And it's just, it's, it's a good sound hit and it's a very uncomfortable sound hit. Cause when you start hearing it, you're like, Oh, someone's about to die. Um, yeah, that sounds sound. super uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I was thinking about while, oops, while I was watching this was, you know, people will like lambast the WWE for various things, but the WWE is actually really progressive. And in some ways the fans, like they know immediately who to cheer for and who to boo for based on the stereotypes that are provided to them. And it, it in some ways like the, this movie was like, well, you knew who the heroes were and who the villains were, but then they did a, a little thing and I think they did it on purpose, which I thought was really interesting. And there was the very typical kind of nebby New York. I use nebby. That's a Yiddish word. Like the, the New York neighbor lady that was always in the house coat with the, the hair rollers like that was always up in her business and she had a little dog and the little dog started to try to sniff around in her apartment because she had corpse pieces in there. The she had killed the, the first guy. Yeah. The dog is the hero. So like she killed the guy, left him in a bathtub overnight and then chopped him up. Most pieces went in her fridge and then she was kind of dumping them all over town. 
and then the head she couldn't get rid of right away so she kind of put it in uh in her like broom closet for a for a day and the dog got into her apartment because the lady was kind of snooping around and was like digging at the door and of course the woman found the, the guy's head so at one point when this dog is being like annoying she's like i'll walk the dog to the lady this is before she found the head of course she's like i'll walk the dog and then she goes off and the scene walks like she goes to like this like parking lot near a near a dock or like near the bay or something and she ties the dog to like a pipe and the scene cuts to black with her aiming the the gun at the dog's head and like it turns from like oh this girl's a, a hero that's killing all these asshole rapists to oh shit she killed a dog <laughs> i think it was just kind of a very interesting way of like doing that it turns out the dog is okay by the way if you are a dog person um the rapist not so much but anyway uh the girl that played the part uh, her name is zoe tamerlise i don't know how to pronounce that lund uh, do you guys know her or do you remember her i do not i don't but i i looked her up after um you mentioned this film to me mm -hmm. so she, she looked i remembered her after i saw the movie and looked her up uh she looked very much like uh oh shoot uh the new cat woman what's her i forget her name now rob um, sharon stone oh the the new cat woman yeah from uh dark knight whatever oh uh uh, uh oh dark knight rises it's uh, his diaries uh yeah yeah Anne Hathaway. Yeah, it looks a lot like Anne Hathaway. But, um, so anyway, she was in this movie. This was one of her first movies. She was 17 years old. She was on the screen like 98% of the time. Never said a word. Everything she had to do was express with her eyes, and she did a wonderful job. Uh, she went off. She actually wrote the movie Bad Lieutenant with Harvey Keitel. Well, she didn't write it with him, but it had him. And she was a heroin advocate, which is really weird, where some people are like, oh, you know, we should legalize pot. Pot is good for you. Pot is good for headaches and this which it is, but she was all about that for heroin. And she was unabashed about it. Like, yeah, I do heroin. I do this much. And her friends were like, you know, she wrote about heroin. She said it should be legal for recreational use. Um, one of her friends said, Zoe was one of those people who thought heroin was the greatest thing in the world. And she did until the day she died from heroin or from cocaine. Technically, um, heroin was the elixir of life for her. And someone said, I've known a lot of serious drug users. Uh, Richard Hell said this, who I think I, He's from a band, if I remember correctly. Uh, Zoe was the queen of heroin. You have to admire someone as committed to it as she was. She didn't just love heroin. She believed in it. But, of course, it also killed her. So she had a very artistic career. We started off as an actress and wrote some movies and did all sorts of cool stuff. And, of course, yet another person taken down by drugs. And it actually, I looked that up right before the movie. So it adds a very interesting Paul kind of over the movie. Um, if you guys are interested in, in the movie, it's definitely a weird one. It's kind of hard to find. Uh, the midnight showing was probably the perfect place for me to see it. But one of the things you can definitely do is there's some clips of the trailer on YouTube where you can see some very weird parts of it. You can, they have the soundtrack with the very weird horn sound. Um, I suggest checking that out just for, cause it's a little bit of a cult classic now. And that's what I got to say about that. I, I actually enjoyed the movie very much. I thought it was a very interesting look into the past. Nice. It sounds, it sounds like one of those movies that we would totally go see at the end. Yes. Mm, yeah. It, it actually had a look like it had a look like Maniac, but it was sub mm -hmm. substantially better than Maniac. There was, as I was as I was saying with Derek, I actually think Derek said to me right after the movie, he's like, you know, this movie would be very interesting to remake with today's standards. Because like, there's one of the things yeah. you know that gunshot that they used in every TV show and movie back then that was like it echoed like it was in a giant open room. Like you you know the one I'm talking about. Like they used yeah. it at the beginning of Hunter. Yeah, mm -hmm. and like they used it for everything. So rather. Yeah, yeah. 
So like they used it for everything and like they use it inside of when she's in a bathroom shooting something, when she's in a giant field, when she's standing 500 feet away and it's always that same loud over-recorded gunshot. And that was like the only time I was like pulled out of the movie because <laughs> it was significantly louder than everything else and like feedbacky. So you could tell it was recorded on a microphone. But right. anyway, that's Ms. 45. Um, check it out. I'm sure it's not hard to find online. It's 1981, so it's been out there. That's all I have to say about that. Last but not least, we usually do our top five question, or our give me five question, as it were. But this time, as I said, we are going to review our choices for summer movie from our episode 37 summer movie preview. Uh, I did go back and listen to that today, so I have the choices here. And I have some some loose numbers for us. Okay. So let's, uh, let's do this thing. Yep. Let's do it. Okay, so the biggest hit... Of the summer. Drum roll, please. So, uh, let's see. Jimmy said Jurassic World. I, uh, Rob said Solo. And I said The Incredibles. And the winner was The Incredibles by a huge margin. Uh, are we talking internationally? Or? Uh, this would just be uh, uh, just within the country. Okay. Those were the, num- those <laughs> were the numbers I found. I mean, so, I'll concede. So, 604 million plus, I rounded to 415 million solo actually even though people say it did not make its budget back it was still one two three four fifth in the list that was 213 million okay so i'm going to say that i won that one i'm not liking this start well the next one is interesting because i thought you had this one the biggest bomb of the summer jimmy what did you say solo yep uh, rob do you remember what you said i do skyscraper okay and i also said skyscraper so I looked at the money, and Skyscraper made $67 million on a budget of – and we had verified that it was based on budget. Okay. So Skyscraper made $67 million on a budget of $125 million, which is – it lost $58 million. This is domestically. Solo made $217 million. That's where the numbers are different from two different websites. Interesting. Okay. Well, we'll say $217 million, so I'll, I'll raise the number here. On a budget of two hundred and 75 million, which of course is also 58 million. So we ended up tying on our bombs. Ooh. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So that raised number actually helped you, Jimmy. So that's good. So we ended up tying. So all of us got a point there. Now, the biggest surprise of the summer, here's where I have to figure it out because the biggest surprise movie of the summer by far was Crazy Rich, Crazy Rich Asians, which is at 135 million and counting. It just came out a few weeks ago. Um, that one far surpassed expectations. And it also far surpassed its budget. Um, but So do we want to do it where we just get no points? Or do we want to do it where I, I looked at other movies that the studios said where they were very happy with how they worked out? So which one should we do? Um, no, I think I think we should get no points because none of us actually picked the surprise hit of the summer. Okay. Because the other movie that was considered a, a out outlasting its forecast or making more money than its forecast was the Meg, which Jimmy picked. So I will say that that one made um, $132 million um, on a $130 million budget, but it also did very well overseas um, and it far surpassed what they were expecting. So that was that. Uh, The Equalizer 2 looks like it made $101 million. Uh, I said The Purge and I was very wrong. Purge uh, was the fourth best Purge movie uh, in the series, it, money-wise. It did not do very well at all. Yeah, I think people are kind of purged done out. with that. Yeah, yeah purged out. 
And so it was very wrong on the purge. So um, so Jimmy would have gotten a point had we done it the other way. Jimmy, you didn't really vote there. Should, should we give Jimmy the point? Yes. No? <laughs> well, no. I mean, the point was to pick the the breakout hit of, or the the breakout hit of the summer. And nobody. Okay. Okay. So the standout of the summer, I don't think any of us got it. Okay. Because uh, two, you guys said Lakeith Stanfield. I said Hannibal Perez. Uh, pretty much across the board, everyone said the big standout of the summer was Jack Jack. <laughs> That's right. it's the, not a real person. The the next person in line was the lead of um, Crazy Rich Agents that I saw. The female or male lead? I think the male lead. No, oh, I I would have thought it would have been the. <laughs> no, that's not his name. <laughs> I would have thought it would have been the. Wow, you bastard! Wow, <laughs> don't even. What is his name? Uh, I would have thought it would have been the female lead because I thought she was the star. Yeah, Constance, yeah, Constance Wu. That's who it was. Okay, so it was the female lead. Yes. Um. So none of us got that one. And the critical darling. Uh, sorry, both you and Jimmy picked. Sorry to bother you. Uh huh. And mm-hmm. um, I talked about won't you be my neighbor? And then for some inexplicable reason, said don't worry, he won't get far. And won't you be my neighbor is pretty much a shoe in to win the best documentary, and from or at least get nominated. Um, so the win- the winner would have been won't you be my neighbor. However, my dumbass talked about it way longer than the movie I actually picked, which I don't even think it came out yet. Don't worry, you won't get far. I'm sorry to bother you. While it hasn't been talked about as much as we thought it would, it was made for $3 million, and it's actually um, septupled its budget. So it did make about $21 million, uh, domestically, and it's still in, th- in theaters. But um, it has not been talked about critically very well. So, that, so that's where we're at. So it looks like I ended up with two, you guys ended up with one. Or me and Jimmy ended up with two, and Rob ended up with one depending on how you want to cancel that. So do you guys want to, Rob, do you want to solo on the ABBA, on the ABBA song next episode? Oh, or do you no. want to sing with Jimmy? Oh, no. Jim, Jimmy's going to sing with me. Yeah, no. If if we're going to, you know, have that hand dealt to us, then I think uh, Rob and I, we have to harmonize. Woo! Okay, so um, episode 53, is that, you guys fine with that? Though I, I protest uh, Jurassic World made like $17,000 billion. Uh, worldwide is that is that an official number i I don't think we discussed domestically versus internationally i I used i I will sing abba in protest and i might i think most people that sing abba do it in protest yeah is is that the title of one of their songs i i don't believe so i don't believe so no i don't think so so i think that was that was fun i like i like that not would you like that because you won no i would i was ready to sing abba i totally thought you had it i thought when I looked at the numbers and I saw mm. this, the solo thing, I'm like, I was doing the mental math. I'm like, oh, he's got this one. That was the first one I looked up. And I was like, okay, you're, you're going to win. Yep. But. I speak for the people internationally. Um, what can I say? All right. Well, we'll sing ABBA next episode. Yeah. So episode 53, you will episode get 53. a smorgasbord yeah. of Swedish disco pop. Are we, are we going to sing Mamma Mia? Yeah. I'm letting you guys pick. Uh, God, I'm not familiar with their catalog. Dancing Queen? Uh, is that? Yeah, I think that's Abba. Do you want to Dancing Queen? Is it? Is it weird that I knew that that was Abba? No, no that's cool. I mean, if that's one of your favorite songs, then it's it all good. Screw you, Jimmy. That's almost as lame as Disney pins. Let's do Dancing Queen <laughs> as a country song. Yeah, there's a Dancing Queen, Mamma Mia, Fernando. Oh, I don't know. Super Trooper. I think Dancing Queen might be a good one. 
Okay. Whatever. <laughs> well, guys, that was episode 52. A whole bunch of different things. A lot of music. A lot of banter. I think yeah. I'm going to be sick next week, too. I think I'm going to be sick, too. <laughs> so I'm just going to record myself singing ABBA on your bat. Yeah, it's totally cool. You just agreed to it, so... <laughs> That's binding! Yep. Anyway, guys, uh, feel free to write in. Uh, we talked about a bunch of different things. Uh, you can let us know your favorite bands or your favorite exploitation movies or your favorite ABBA songs. Or your um, favorite your movie. Yeah. Uh, you can also f tell me to go F myself for making fun of Disney pins. Because actu I actually like them. Disney pins are very well made and they're very cool. Yeah, see, I don't like modern country. Like, I don't like that pop country. And I don't like that rap country stuff. I think that's gone now. I think that yeah, went away. I don't know. Like Kid Rock or Uncle Cracker? No. Yeah, it's just no, there's a I new one. In recent years. Oh, well, not, a, not a new one, but there's another one that uh, I don't know his name. Well, either way, guys, thank you for listening. And I'm Greg. I'm Rob. I'm Jimmy. You guys finally got it right. What? What happened? Rob is uh, currently uh, Nyquillin. Nyquil, yeah, yeah. Nyquil, Nyquil, we love you, you <laughs> giant freaking you. So let's keep recording. <laughs> Want to do next week's episode, like right now? <laughs> yeah, I kind of do, even though i got to be up in eight hours. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. I'm going to huff some more hospital gas. And, and sorry, all of a sudden I just got really sneezy and snotty and everything. So, <laughs> um, so they had what a, happened? I, I don't, I don't know. Snort some, uh, pepper on accident. Some, some sugar like they do in the movie. Um, Rob had a, right before he recorded, he was snorting cocaine off of strippers. <laughs> oh, sorry. I couldn't get to the mute button. Ooh, yeah. No, you don't know that one. I do. I do. Jimmy, are you there? Um, yeah, I'm here. Okay. It was actually pretty good. Yeah, I don't... How does it go again? <laughs> I forgot. Oh, no, you just did it. It's fine. It was, it was did you take NyQuil? I did. <clears throat> Excellent. My pants are falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> how, how much NyQuil did you take, Rob? Well, it was it was just the one dose, right? In the bottle? Yeah, you dumped out the one dose and then took the bottle, right? Drank the whole bottle. Isn't it one dose per bottle? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Really good. Rob's now a statistic. And huffing hospital gas. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I will see you tomorrow. Yeah, I will probably will. see Rob in another month because I'm scared of him now. <laughs> it's well, I was going to say it's funny because you get sick all the time, but that's not. I've, I've been pretty good recently. It's Although like, everyone in my house I is everyone in my house is sick. Exactly, everyone in my house has been sick, so I'm bound to get it. I got some. <laughs> <laughs> is it ripping through your pants? Oh God, I can't. I just spit all over my. <laughs> I went down and blew my nose during the break, mm -hmm. and you know I was looking at the tissue and. I was like, man, I did have a lot of crap in my nose. And then I blew my nose a second time. And when I pulled the tissue away, I kind of coughed. And as I coughed, there was apparently a little bit of like snot hanging from my nose because it flipped up and hit me in the forehead. <laughs>
I was like, what the hell? <laughs> That's gross. Is it still there? <laughs> no, I I cleaned it off. He, yeah, he recorded the last hour of the podcast. <laughs> it's not, not hanging, hanging from, from his... Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah.